She was cute, and she was my first date, and it was one of the most awkward nights of my life. I'd, this was well before Google, and so the idea of what do you do for a first date, I think, went through most people's minds, and you didn't want to ask your parents, because you're probably going to get some lame answer, like, go grab a Coke. Like, nobody grabs a Coke. This isn't the 1950s anymore. And so I started asking around some friends, and one of them gave me a great idea, and that was to take her ice skating. And so we went ice skating, and she was really good at ice skating, and I was not so much, which meant we got a lot of time to hold hands, which was wonderful, except after about 10 minutes, my feet started to hurt as we were out on the ice skating. Well, I wasn't going to stop. I mean, what a, what a way on your first date, 10 minutes in, be like, I got to stop. My feet hurt from ice skating. No, you grin and you bear it. It's a two-hour open ice skate. We got another hour and 50 minutes. Buckle up, son. And uh, that's what I did. And my feet were, they were hurting, but went through. And all of a sudden, about halfway through, my feet were, were wet. And I'm like, oh, they're, they're really sweaty. And I made it for the entire time. And then when we were taking our skates off, all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I saw something red on my sock. And it was blood from where my feet had blistered and then ripped open because of the ice skates. And it wasn't just a little blood. It was a lot of blood. So much so that she said, are your feet bleeding? And I said, apparently. And then I, I, I didn't know what to do, so I just put on my shoes. And we got in the car and started talking, discovered that she was hungry and was driving along. And the car was... It was fighting me. It was fighting me like every, just every part we would drive, the car was fighting against me. And I couldn't understand, and so I, I shifted down into second gear, thinking that might fix it. It didn't. And I made it to a stop sign, and at that point I looked up and realized I still had the parking brake on because I forgot to take that off. And so I just took the parking brake off. Then we went to dinner, and I took her to an Italian restaurant. little tip for those of you who are dating right now from Uncle Brian. If you want a little kiss action on a date, don't go Italian or Mexican and steer clear of ranch dressing. Do with that what you will. Just a friendly tip from Uncle Brian. But we went, we went to an Italian restaurant. And, and I ordered, I ordered a, a certain kind of pizza, and it was really good. It was untraditional, and, and she had some of the pizza, and we were bonding over the taste of the pizza, and there was an ingredient that we just couldn't put our finger on. And then it hit me when she asked, what is it? And I'm like, oh, it's garlic. The only problem is, the only problem is she asked me this right as I took a bite of pizza. And did I think that I'm chewing food before I sprouted out the answer? No. So with a mouthful of just chewed up food, I'm just like, it's garlic. And then I'm like, what am I doing? And I just looked down and shook my head, finished chewing, drove her home. And that was our last date. <laughs> it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. And I was, I was a nervous mess the entire time. Not because anybody really put any pressure on me. It's because I put pressure on me. 
Because even then, I had the understanding that love and relationships, they're really important. They're really important. And who you love is the second most important decision that you will make in your life. The only decision more important than who you love is whether or not you will be a follower of Jesus. That's it. That is the only decision more important that you will face in your life than who you will love. And the stakes, the stakes are high. Because if you mess it up, there's pain. And for many, I don't have to tell you that. Because you've experienced that hurt. You've experienced that anguish in that turmoil. And so over the course of the next couple months, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Scripture, we're going to examine Scripture, and we're going to see that God has given us a guide. He's given us a guide to love and relationships, and if we will follow His guide, it will produce the most fulfilling the most complete relationships that you could ever hope to experience. And who wouldn't want that? Well, the answer is most people. And the reason I say that is because God's guide is completely countercultural. And over the course of these next couple months, I'm going to say some things that are challenging. I'm going to say some things that are convicting for a lot of us, probably for all of us. Maybe even some things that you find offensive. And the question you might have right now is a question that I wrestled through a little bit. People ask me sometimes, of, how do you decide what you're going to talk about? And I say, I can't really tell you. Not because I'm trying to keep it from you. I can't really explain it. I pray about it. I read scripture. And, and then I just allow God's spirit to, to work and to guide me. And as we were walking through Acts, I was praying about, all right, God, what's next? What's next? And I kept coming back to this, this theme, this theme of relationships. And, and there's, there's a human side of me that's like, God, are you sure? I mean, 2023 was a fantastic year for Lakeside. It was great. We saw God bring new people to the team. We saw, we saw God bring people in the doors. New people are coming to Lakeside. Lakeside is growing. Giving's been phenomenal. 2023 was a fantastic year for Lakeside. And so the human side of me is, well, as we were talking about expansion and as we're talking about building onto the church, how about we handle the fundraising component of that before we do anything that's going to offend some people? And immediately God reminded me, God said, Brian, I called you to be a pastor, not a politician. And my hope is that what I say over the course of the next couple months as it challenges all of us, as it will convict us, because we all have messed up in some of these areas, some of us continue to struggle, my hope is that if you are offended, it would be because Scripture is convicting your heart, and God's Spirit 
is going to work. And it's not because I've said something stupid or out of bounds. And what I want you to know, what I want you to know, and what I hope you'll understand, is even if you struggle with agreeing with it, even if you struggle with accepting it, that God's plan really is the best plan for your life. And it will lead to the most fulfilling, complete relationships that you could ever hope to encounter. And what I want you to know is that we are here for you. We are here to walk with you. We are here to come, us, come alongside of you and to help you in your journey, to help you any way that we can. But unapologetically, we're going to default to what Scripture says because God's plan really is the best. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for all of us and what we're going to look at over the course of the next couple months and I'm going to pray that we would be ready to receive it and that God's Spirit would work on our hearts. He would point out areas where we need to grow, where we need to do better, and that we would lovingly, as a community, walk together, helping people who are struggling, looking at the areas of our own lives, and asking God to go to work. God, we just pray that you would work in our hearts and work in our lives God, that we would honor you with the decisions that we make in our choices and that you would bless us as a result. I pray that I would disappear and your word and your spirit would take center stage for your glory. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. So to start this journey, we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning. If you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us this morning on the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can find in whatever app store you utilize. And we utilize the events feature within the Bible app. Once the Bible app's installed on your device, you can either enable your locations or write in Lakeside Algoma. It will pop up. You can follow along with us that way. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, we're going to be in the Old Testament book of Genesis Genesis chapter 1, so even if you're brand new to the Bible, it's the first book. So there might be a table of contents or, or maybe a couple author's notes before that, but right after that, there's going to be the book of Genesis, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. If you're joining us via the stream this morning, thanks so much. My name is Brian, and I'm part of the team here at Lakeside. The verses will be available for you on the screen below, and the verses will also be available on each side. We're going to pick up in day 6 of the creation account. And what we've seen through the first five days is every time, on every day, it ends with, and God saw that it was good. Day two ends with, and it was so, essentially the same thing. But each day ends with this definitive statement, and God saw that it was good. Meaning his order and his plan and his creative purposes were, were good. And it's in light of that that we now go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, part of day 6, where we read these words. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So 
right here, what we understand is God has a plan for humanity. God has a plan for humanity. And humanity is made in the image of God. Humanity is made in the image of God, and the purpose of humanity is to rule and to reign over God's other creation. That is God's distinct plan that we see in Genesis 1.26, that we are to rule and reign over the other parts of creation that God has created. God rules over us. We rule over the other created aspects of what he has made. Then we go to verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So it's broken down to us on another level. So that men are made in the image of God. And women are made in the image of God. We are all made in God's image, by God's design, with God's purpose, for God's plan. All of us are made in the image of God. God made men and God made women. And recently, we've seen an explosion, an explosion of people struggling with their gender and gender dysphoria. In 2012, the American Psychiatric Association changed guidelines and made it so transgenderism was no longer listed as a mental disorder. That was in 2012. And we have seen an explosion in the number of people identifying as trans ever since. Between 2009 and 2019, children being referred for transitioning treatment in the United Kingdom increased 1,000% among biological males and 4,400% among biological females. Meanwhile, the number of young people identifying as transgender in the United States has almost doubled since 2017 according to a new Center for Disease Control and Prevention report. And now we hear an account of a woman named Chloe. When Chloe was 12 years old, she decided that she was transgender. At 13, she came out to her parents. That same year, at 13, she was put on puberty blockers and prescribed testosterone. At 15, she underwent a double mastectomy. Less than a year later, she realized she made a mistake. All by the time she was 16 years old. Now 17, Chloe is one of a growing cohort called detransitioners, those who seek to reverse a gender transition, often after realizing they actually do identify with their biological sex. Tragically, many will struggle for the rest of their lives with the irreversible medical consequences of a decision they made as minors. Now, I recognize that we live in a climate that is incredibly political. And this year is going to be, it's a, it's a presidential election, and so every issue is going to be political. 
And every issue is going to be a hot-button issue. And as people that love and follow Jesus, here's what I am begging you to do. I am begging you to resist the urge to see people, real people, with real struggles as a statistic. I am begging you to see people whose lifestyle that you do not agree with, whose lifestyle contradicts what Scripture would tell us to do. I am begging you to see them with the eyes that Jesus sees them with. Not as a punchline, not as a statistic, not as a case, but as people. And to think through, as people that love and follow Jesus, the implications of the choices and the decisions that people are making right now. The heartache of someone who is young, in the midst of puberty, and feels like they don't belong in their own body. The heartache of a parent who desperately wants their child to be happy. To have all of this uncertainty presented to them. And what to do and, and where to go. And as people that, that examine Scripture, we recognize that God doesn't make mistakes. And sometimes we feel certain ways. But God does not make mistakes. And how do we, as people that love and follow Jesus... Have a loving, compassionate response to people. That's what, we have to, that's what we have to figure out. Looking back, Chloe said her experience started when she joined Instagram at 11. I started being exposed to a lot of LGBT content and activism, she said. I saw how trans people online got an overwhelming amount of support and the amount of praise they were getting really spoke to me because at the time, I didn't really have a lot of friends of my own. Now, the subject of detransitioning is often met with vitriol from transgender activists who claim that stories like Chloe's will be used to discredit the trans movement as a whole. And, and research reveals that up to 86% of trans adults feel that transitioning was the right long-term decision for them. 86% of them. And so if we hear a statistic like that, we, we wrestle with, well, doesn't God want people to be fulfilled? And doesn't God want people to be happy? And if 86% of people who transition are happy long-term with the choice that they made, how do we reconcile that? But there's more. In July of 2023, the UCLA School of Law published its findings. A new study from the Williams Institute at UCLA School of Law finds that 81% of transgender adults in the United States have thought about suicide. 81%. 42% of transgender adults have attempted it. 42%. Tried to end their own life. And 56% have engaged in non-suicidal self-injury over their lifetime. Compared to cisgender adults, transgender adults were seven times more likely to contemplate suicide, four times more likely to attempt it, and eight times more likely to engage in non-suicidal self-injury. 
Our culture has told people, do whatever makes you feel good. And people have bought the lie. To a place where people sometimes make irreversible choices, thinking it's going to be a path for fulfillment and happiness. And it is not. And I recognize if you struggle feeling like you are in a body that you do not belong in, I, I empathize with you, and I, I can't say that I've ever understood that struggle. I haven't. But my heart goes out to you. And what I just want to tell you is in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of your angst, in the midst of your uncertainty, you are loved. You are loved by your Creator first and foremost. If we have the opportunity to interact with you here, you are loved here. We want you to make choices and decisions that will ultimately honor God because we believe that that is the path to peace. We believe that is the path to the most fulfilling life. And we believe that you, as all of us, were made specifically by God in His image. You are loved and you are valued. And hear me, God did not make a mistake when He made you. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see now that God has made people, male and female, in his own image, and then his plan extends a step further. God blesses them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. God told people, have sex. That, that sex is for procreation, but it's not exclusively for procreation. And that's something we're going to talk about over the course of the next couple months. That sex is a gift from God, it's designed by God, and it's designed in this context. Again, within God's plan, within God's purpose. And behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Verse 
and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And this is God's ultimate plan. That God makes men, and God makes women. They are made in His image. We are all image bearers of God. He has made us. He has made us to be joined together. And again, this is before the fall. This is before sin has entered the equation. I know for some of you, the idea, just the idea of sex is dirty, either because of your upbringing or because somebody did things to you that they should have never done to you. And there's this mindset in your mind that oh, sex, is, sex is dirty. And I was a child of the purity culture growing up. All that was really taught to us in, in churches and Christian circles about sex was don't do it till you're married, don't do it till you're married, don't do it till you're married, don't do it till you're married. And make no mistake that that marriage is a, a foundational aspect of sex, and that's how it should be done within God's, within God's plan. That sex should be reserved for marriage. But, but it's not enough just to tell people, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Because it doesn't give you a complete picture of God's design and His purpose and His plan. So some people, for whatever reason, carry with them years and years of this idea that sex is filthy and sex is dirty and sex is wrong and it's gross. And a lot of aspects of it can be. But it's ultimately a gift. It's ultimately part of God's plan and His purpose and His design. And if we will follow God's plan and His purpose and His design, it's fulfilling. And that's God's ultimate plan. Now, here's the reality that probably every single one of us in this room has experienced. And that is this. Anytime, anytime we step outside of God's plan, it makes our lives more complicated. We invite hardship. We invite pain. Anytime we step outside of God's plan in any area of our lives, but including this, we invite hardship and pain to come. And at a society where half of you are subscribed to OnlyFans and the other half are pushing content, in a society that tells people, just do whatever you want, in a society that tells people, you can be whatever or whoever you want to be, in a society that tells people, nobody Nobody can tell you who to love. Nobody can tell you who to choose. In a society that tells people, just chase what after you want. We see the implications and we see the results. It's depression. It's anxiety. It's insecurity. It's infidelity. 
All because we believe that if I will just pursue my passion, it will bring me fulfillment. And yet it never does. And I'm here to tell you there's a better way. And that way is to follow God's plan. Now, the critic would say, oh, God's plan's restrictive. God's plan, it, 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 there's too many complications. But we've seen the results on full display of what happens when we don't. Now, maybe this is an area you've messed up in your life. And for you, I just want to remind you that there is grace. And God still loves you. Maybe this is an area you're struggling with right now. And the shame, you think, I can't tell anybody. So you keep it quiet. And the enemy comes and he utilizes that, that secrecy. And that shame as an approach to make you feel like you're the only one? To make you feel like you're a first-rate pervert and nobody else in the world is ever going to understand the struggle that you face? So you continue to fight the battle quietly and alone? And you continue to lose as a result because of the cycle of shame and temptation and the feeling like there's no escape and you can't tell anybody. And to you, I want to remind you that there is a better way. And there is freedom. And we have tools and resources available for you here to walk with you, to help you. It will be done in confidentiality. But to walk with you. And to the people who find themselves trapped in a body that you don't recognize, you feel you don't identify with, and you've wrestled and you've asked God, why, God, why do I feel this way? Why am I, this, why, why did you make me this way? What's going on? I know it can sound cliche. I know it may seem trite. But again, I want to tell you that God did not make a mistake. That he loves you and he has a plan for your life. And that if you will follow his path and his plan and his purpose. It will be the most rewarding life you could ever experience. And if we, in terms of our sexuality 
reject God's plan. And just try to do it our own way. We invite the hardship and the pain that always comes about anytime we reject his plan. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I do know this, that God's love for you is intense and it is real and it is unchanging. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I know this, that when you walk in these doors, we love you and we will help you any way that we can. We will unapologetically unapologetically hold up the standard of Scripture. And we will simultaneously wrap our arms around you and love you and point you to God's way any way that we possibly can and provide any assistance that we can, any help that we can as you find yourself on this journey, whatever that may be. But if you find yourself struggling, Don't try to fight that battle alone. There is help. And there is hope. And if you will follow God's plan, it will be the most rewarding, fulfilling experience you could ever imagine. God, help us follow your plan. God, my heart breaks for the people who find themselves trapped, who feel like there's no escape. I believe lies. And I pray, God, that your spirit pierce their heart right now. That hope and redemption and grace and freedom all available through you, Jesus, would be the message that they hear. the shame and the secrecy would disappear. And that they would try it your way, God. I pray that we as people that love and follow you, Jesus, we would set the tone on how we respond to the hurting. how we encounter those who struggle. I pray, God, that we would never shy away from your truth, but I pray that message would be delivered in love. Work in our hearts. 
May we honor you, God, with every aspect of our lives, including our sexuality. For your glory, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.